You listen to Game On, the MK Dons Women's Podcast, the England under-21s at the stadium. Wow, the like, stadium MK has been really used at the moment, right, Charlie? For lots of different occasions, as, as I say, the, the, the under-21s was a fantastic occasion again to, to host. I think the, the club certainly, as you can see, all kind of different major events. I think they're always one to, ones to, to kind of buy in first and look to, to host them. And I think whenever travelling teams do come down or uh, teams like the England under-21s use it, they can see what what great facilities there are in and around the stadium and obviously on the pitch. We're going to talk about a free game on Sunday. We'll talk about Crawley, what happened last Sunday, and we'll just catch up on team news. And we've got an interview today with Rianne Rush. And she that we did this at the training ground a couple of weeks ago, and she's got lots of great things to say. We'll hear from you about her. Uh, very shortly as well. You're listening to Game On. This is the MK Dons FC Women's Podcast. So Charlie, Crawley Wasps, 1-0. What's not happening that we're not getting the wins at the moment? Um, I think it's it's one then one. I think we we kind of had a had a conversation within the group at the end of the game and, and after the game. And it was just football's a funny game sometimes. I think it's when things are going for you, things go well. And I don't know, we, within the game, we've, we've hit the, the crossbar twice. Both times the crossbar, we've hit the crossbar, the rebound's been cleared off the line. And the goal we concede five minutes in, it's it can certainly be prevented, but it's a bit of a goal mouth scramble. They kind of get to the first contact, get a toe in. And it's, it's it's naturally one of them things where I think we can we did a little bit of a video analysis session on Thursday and and we could see lots of it was still positive because we were saying we're doing the right thing we're getting in the right areas it's just sometimes when you go maybe on a spell of two three four games things just don't fall for you a little bit and it's a balance of that and then also playing like I like I keep saying playing playing good good teams and sometimes you do have to reflect as a, as a group and be honest to the group and and explain that like I keep saying to them we we've gone to three away games and and if if anything they're probably the the three toughest away games we've had to have this season Crawley Southampton Oxford they haven't dropped a single point at home all three of them so it, it's, it's it's very challenging we always knew the Crawley game was going to be a challenge and and, and there was that sense of pride that we walked off the pitch giving everything having a 65-minute stoppage for the injury and then having to regroup, go again for that last 10 to 15 minutes and, and really try and pull together. And again, we created a couple of really good chances in that, which could have easily been taken. But I certainly, like I said, uh, that th- there's no kind of panic stations within the group because the stuff that we are building, um, we really do believe starting this weekend um, in the National League Cup, Cup moving forward, I really do think it'll just be a case of it will click one win will come and, and that will turn into two, three, four and, and we'll keep, yeah, keep moving forward. When you look at the rest of the, the division, when you're looking at scores like 5-0, 4-1, 4-0, actually, when I say to you, it was 1-0, it actually proves a point that actually you're a team to, to, to struggle to beat. So it's not like you're losing hundreds of goals, right? Exactly that. And, and, and like we said, like, um, and, and we always go back to that first first Southampton game. Southampton to, to go there and, and only lose three one. The only team to score against Southampton. They've won nine nil this week. They've won nine nil the week before. Sometimes okay, you don't get the points out of that game, but to show us how well we can compete is exactly that. And I think when you are losing games, although a one nil game is really tough to take because we felt in the game for large bells, we had lots of chances within the game. It's it's always tougher to take because you feel actually a bit of disgust because it's almost we feel like we should have 
come away with something. But question marks would be, I think, raised if, because the, the previous game we played, obviously with the Hounslow game being called off, was the Oxford one. And sometimes I think when you have a difficult midweek game, if there isn't that reaction, that's when you start questioning things yeah. and even question yourself and looking at yourself. But soon, as soon as you get that reaction straight away from the players, it, it shows that we have got a really good group of players. And, and no doubt, again, I'm I'm sure they'll all be chomping at the bit this Sunday. And Keynesham is a great side. We will talk about that game. We'll talk about how much you're going to pay um, right after we hear from Rianne Rush. We need to talk about the, the injury, though, to Molly Cooper. First of all, is she OK? And what happened? Yeah, so... So thankfully, um, yeah, Molly is uh, Molly is okay and she's recovering. Seeing her in and around, train, not training herself, but just coming down, think, still uh, staying part of it this week, which has been really nice. Molly went up for a header and, and the centre midfield kind of Molly got the first contact and the girls just caught her late. But I think the actual impact of, of, of the header, where she's gone to flick it on, it's almost caught, she's been caught in the neck and a little bit like um, whiplash. And straight away, Molly being kind of the trooper she is, she tried to kind of stand up and and I think it was a free kick in an attacking area. So as a goal scorer, I think she wanted to get up and get back on the end of it. But I think very quickly, as soon as she tried to stand up, she felt instant pain in her neck, kind of headache. So the physios, Beth and, and Alex, who supports Beth, were fantastic because they had to go through the correct process. Couldn't risk moving Molly, especially with a neck injury. It is quite a delicate place. So it was one of them ones. It was a case that we had to wait. We had to call an ambulance. We had to, it, it obviously delayed. I think it was up to 65 minutes in the end. Yeah. Um, Molly, thank got to a hospital safely got all cleared with a scan so we know there's no kind of breaks or anything in there and then it's just making sure that she had to have a few days rest um, bless her kind of rest enough and then slowly yeah slowly get a little bit more mobility into her neck and then um yeah and gradually um within the next few weeks it'll probably be um two to three weeks kind of um her being out but but in the grand scheme of things, as I say, that that's really positive news. I think one thing we've seen in just seen in the last year or so is how much medics and those people who are sometimes just behind the scenes actually are so important to the game. And isn't it great, even at this level, you have all those people to hand to to support players like Molly and others that we've seen in the last year. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. As I say, being kind of kind of seeing seeing that situation and as it was presented, it's just the, the one thing I would say as well is just the how they stay so calm in what they do, how they understand, they have the knowledge, the process of what they need to go through, and I think it just settles down both both the individuals, say the player in Molly's example, because she was still talking away and chatting away, but and also kind of us as staff and players, it kind of settles us down. Yeah, the information they're given to us, but how how supportive they were. So yeah, like I said, a lot of the, the kind of credit if, if, if games are, are won and lost do go to the kind of players, coaches, staff, but physios, kind of the rehab that they put in place. Actually, we've had very minimal injuries already at the start of the season, apart from impact ones like Molly. So again. They, they are part of this and deserve a huge credit as well. No, absolutely. And I spoke to Molly just yesterday and she said, thank you very much. Still a long way to go recovery-wise, but definitely getting on the pitch soon. And Molly, we would love to have you back on the pitch. Yeah, yeah get better soon, right? That's that's the kind of like the key thing. Right, still to come then, we're going to talk to Rianne Rush. And we're also then going to talk to you about the free game on Sunday that you can come and watch. But first, a question for you, Charlie. You ready for this? Yep, I'm ready. Hi, my name is Neve Perkins and I play for the MK Dons RTC Under-12s. My question is, if any of the players could play on a pitch in the world, what pitch would it be? Hi Neve, um, thank you 
for, for your question, firstly, it's, yeah, it's a really good question, to be fair. I think it would be I'll probably one that I'll pose to, to the players, actually, um, at the weekend, because I think I'll probably get lots of different answers based on teams that they support, based on maybe countries that they've been to. Probably if I wanted to, to be involved or kind of managing in, in, in two stadiums, certainly in this country, I think my, my go-to would be obviously the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. That's That's kind of my team and they've just had a brand new stadium. And I've managed to go down there a few times and it is, it is really unreal, the facilities there. I would say abroad would, would certainly be the new camp in Barcelona. I think that's just, yeah, again, another stadium would just be surreal to, to I think, as a coach, um, to go and coach and lead that. But it's definitely a really good question. And again, one one I will certainly pose to, to some of the players because I know they probably won't agree with my first choice and some might have their own ones. But so, yeah, really good question. Uh, let's talk to Rianne Rush. She has come up through the system and she's just a great lady that I spoke to uh, just a couple of weeks ago. But your impressions of Rianne? Yeah, Rianne's just a, just a fantastic individual. Um, she just shows all the qualities you want from, from a player, both in training, um, away from training, on, on, on a match day. Literally, um, she is there. She wants to improve. She's always asking me questions. What do I do to improve? And, and she's really grown as a character in the squad. When she first came in, literally, when we saw her straight away and, and, and she come in from our RTC at 16 at quite a young age. And there was a couple of games that season that she did got thrown into it because of injuries and did not did not phase her at all. And and yeah, she was played with confidence, had had real ability um, that we could see in, in the last couple of years. And yeah, has been has been a fantastic individual. Um, I always kind of have a laugh and joke with um with uh, with Rianne because when I first started my coaching in, in grassroots, I was coaching a, a, a young girls under, I think they were under nines at the time. Um, and I remember we'd always used to play, I think um, Rianne grew up near Great Hallwood. So we always used to play Great Hallwood girls. Um, and at that stage, I think it was six aside. Um, and Rianne played for Great Hallwood. And I just, to this, to this day, I still remember her playing. Wow. And, and you, you say sometimes it's funny that you move forward and actually how you can see an individual, even then at nine years old. I think she covered so much ground. She would defend, attack up and down that pitch for the whole game. And I remember even even to this day when I was thinking, I'll, I'll remember that name because I'm sure she'll go far in football. And then our paths cross when she come into the RTC and obviously now at kind of first team level. So I always remember from the from back even at eight and nine, she was so dedicated to her football. So it's a real credit to her how her journey's taken her this far. Right. I'm going to ask you that question next week about players you've seen, because this is great. <laughs> I had no idea. And if I'd known that before, I might have asked her. Um, but that's fine. Let's hear, though, from Rianne Rush right now on Game On podcast. And still to come, let's talk about Canesham Town for free. My name is Rianne Rush and I play centre mid. Always been a centre player? Yeah, basically. When I was younger, I was always running about a lot, so I kind of played all the positions. When I came to Don's, uh, centre mid was my main position. Do you feel pigeonholed by a position ever, or are you happy just like playing everywhere? I do prefer playing everywhere because I think I'm a high energetic player, so being if I was told to like stay in one position, I'd find it like very difficult to stay disciplined in it. But I think coming into women's football, that's definitely something I've had to learn. Tell me about other teams you play for. I used to play grassroots, like that's why I began. So I used to play for a small village team and then I joined a grassroots team in uh, MK. And then I was about 15 and I only realised that I could do trials to join academies. So 
I took the chance and I did trial with Dons and Arsenal, um, which I did get into a third round with Arsenal, but like obviously it's very competitive, so I didn't get into the last round. And then with Dons, I got to the last trial and then they didn't want me. So it was a bit of a knock. I never gave up and I looked at it as a way of like challenging myself. So I worked on myself for a year and then went back, trialled with Watford, the county and Dons and I got into all of them. So my situation was just travelling wise. Watford wasn't ideal so I went with Dons and then joined the under 16s where I was, where I had JD as my coach and he did try to put me right back which I am a centre mid, so I was like, I, could, I couldn't do that. So I stood my ground and eventually developed under the coaches and like, the, like they're so good at like developing and supporting us as players. And then, yeah, basically when it got to the point where we had to move up um, into senior football, I knew that I would be going to development during the pre-season. I was playing against the first team because uh, that's when we mixed together. And I noticed that I definitely could like give them a run for their money and I was determined to make it into the first team. I was 16, working very hard, doing my one-to-one sessions, like doing all I could to like prove to the first team coaches and Charlie that I should be in the first team squad no matter my age. Yeah, I was successful and eventually after a few weeks I was starting. How on earth? Do you deal with rejection at that age and then come back fighting the following year? Yeah, I mean, at a young age, you don't, all you really see is footballers having fun. I saw it as a way of, because I always like to challenge myself, so getting rejected was something that I wanted to prove them wrong in a way that if I came back, that they would want me. It was kind of something where I wanted to prove everyone around me as well, like my family and my friends, that like I'm good at football and I'm going to make it, so like I will do all I can to make it to the level that I want to make it. So you challenge JD on the position that you're on. Are you actually naturally a very strong-willed person? <laughs> I would like to think I am, yeah. It does take a while for me to get out of my shell, but if they're, if I'm like 100% confident that I need to be, say, a centimetre, I won't let myself get run about in that way. Yeah, sent, just playing right back just wasn't, because I'm energetic, I couldn't stay in that position. <laughs> from just talking to you there's no way I can see you just stood on the back of the pitch <laughs> waiting for the game not to come yeah. to you because it is a little bit of that isn't it really yeah. so well but actually being involved in the thick of games mm. and giving crazy opportunities right yeah coming up into the first team was very scary because everyone was a lot more older um, obviously I was with all my friends before so it was it was quite good because I was like welcomed by um, the previous captain Lou it just made me feel a bit like more welcomed and settled in but like, I always had it in the back of my mind that I was younger and I'm like I was only playing academy football for two years so I didn't really fully believe that I was technically the level that they could all be at but I knew that mentally I wanted it more than all of them. Who's been the biggest inspiration on the, the ladies team at the moment that's kind of supported you at this point? I say it varies like with different scenarios because you always get the messages after games and like trainings from different players who'd be like oh well done today so like I would say LB has a lot of support she knows her football uh, playing in front of her as the centre mids you have to have that trust I feel like just getting the little messages to say like well done or having conversations with like Sasha. Yeah, just like people with different levels kind of just makes me feel a bit more comfortable knowing that I'm 
doing the right things. Something you've always wanted to do, football. Yeah, football is something that I'm going to do all I can to make it. Like, that is one thing I will make sacrifices for. Like, I've definitely made many sacrifices for it in terms of like missing out things with friends, especially like, being a teenager. And like, you have to look at it in a way that if you do you want to make it to the highest level that you want, those things have to be done. It's hard, but it's definitely worth it. So we're looking at the Euros next year. Mm. Play you'd most like to see? I'd like to see Kim Little, just because obviously she's a midfielder and she plays for Arsenal. I do think she's like one of the best midfielders like growing up and like, like analysing, because I have to analyse um, players and I feel like I relate a lot to her. If there was three things about you we didn't know, what would it be? Three things. So I am half Thai. My mum is from Thailand and my dad's English. I'm, yeah, very energetic. Uh, I can't stop moving. Like, I'll get very fidgety and like, yeah, I just, I have to keep myself going. Always buzzing. I am a, I am a gunner. I, uh, I support Arsenal, which is a lot of character building at the moment, but <laughs> yeah. How important is it, inspiration in from your homeland. When we uh, when if you watch the World Cup, uh, Thailand got thrashed by America, um, and that definitely got along like around the media. So it was just quite sad to see, really. And I, I have been considering whether it is worth seeing if I could do international with Thailand, but my main goal is with England. But I think uh, the diversity in football, like, is getting like it's a lot better now and. Um, more countries are getting involved, especially like the smaller, like less, like richer ones. Uh, they are getting a lot more chances and opportunities. So one day you could be playing for Thailand or England, right? Yeah, that is the goal. Mainly England. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a it's a long journey, so I just gotta stay disciplined and determined and work hard. <laughs> Rush, I would love to play one day for England. Then Charlie, yeah, no, I think she she does have, as I say, she has huge aspirations, and and she doesn't want to stop. I think um, even yeah, even she was on holiday for the first couple of weeks um, of the season, and even away on holiday, she was doing bits. She wanted extras. She want she she really does want to improve, and I do think year on year you forget how young Rianne still is because how composed she is in that centre midfield, how, how yeah, how confident she is and, and how she plays with lots of quality. And then sometimes you do forget, yeah, her, her age and how she's only been in the women's game for a couple of years. She's probably got a good 15 or so years left in her. And, and, and it's really good that she has them aspirations, which I know that she's pushing to try and, to try and work towards. It's exciting to um, to see players of this level just coming up through the system and being quite steadfast in what they would like to do and where they want to play and how they want to play and but learning as well at the same time. It's got to be a great trait for any player, surely. Yeah, and I think well, yeah, it's, it's, it's we we pride ourselves even more as you say when they come through our system and to have such quality coming through and then like a like a Rianne where you don't have to even look to go out and recruit, say, a centre midfielder because once come through your system, she knows how we want to play because how she's built through our system. And and also, I think sometimes it does give you an extra 2 or 3% of a buy-in if they've, if they've come through this journey and they understand the club. Like Sash um, a couple of weeks ago as well, the same thing. They probably give you that little bit extra because the club means a lot more to them as well. Not that it doesn't to it, other individuals that we recruit, but it's sometimes, yeah, it's that sentimental side of things when they do come through and, and then represent the first team level. 
Absolutely. So one of my first games, Charlie, coming to see uh, the ladies play at Stadium MK, a couple, it feels like forever ago now, uh, was against Canesham Town. Uh, we beat them 2-0. We're looking ahead to this Sunday. It's more than just a game, though, this one. It's a cup game, right? Yeah, and I think that was the excitement all week. And, and the last message I give to the players, um, this cup competition, we actually got to, it wasn't obviously run a lot. The last time it run, we, um, we got to the semi-finals and had a fantastic occasion against Stoke at home. Unfortunately, didn't get Stoke a fantastic side and we didn't get the, the win on that day. And the, the cup competition it actually never finished the final because of because of COVID. But um, yeah, cup competition is so exciting because like like we keep saying, on our day, we can we can match teams and uh, a Crawley was game from the weekend. If that was a cup game and we play them again, we could easily go there and, and go and win that game. So I think that that's the exciting thing about the about the cup. We want to uh, progress. I think it's really I actually prefer as, as a coach to go and play a team like Keensham who are in your league or, or a kind of if it was, even if it was a Northern side because I sometimes you can get a bit complacent and this is no dis- disrespect for teams that are in, in leagues below but I think we know straight away we still have to be on our game. It's not oh, an easy first round of the cup draw. It's a team um, in our league and, and a team, as I say, last time they played at the stadium and they did go down to 10 players within the first half, but they did not stop battling and, and did make it very difficult. So we know 11 v 11, we have to be um, switched on throughout. It's going to be a great game on Sunday. And what's even better, right, Charlie? How much is it going to cost me? Yeah, not a single penny for anyone to, to walk in on, on Sunday. So I know the build-up in, in terms of probably the frustration of the Hounslow game being called off, obviously, um, the day before. And, and it's, been a, it's been a long while since that Bridgewater game um, and, and only our second home game. So hopefully, um, yeah, hopefully people can come down. I think they're trying to um, get a lot of interest off the men's game on Saturday. Um, so, yeah, if, if you're paying to go into the men's game and, and kind of want something to do on Sunday, completely free. Um, to, to get off the back of that and, and hopefully, yeah, watch watch two wins. 100%. Back-to-back wins is what we're looking forward to. Uh, Charlie, uh, your star, thank you very much for joining us again this week on the Game On uh, Women's FC podcast. Really great to have you here. Charlie, so next week we'll talk about that that stadium the ladies would most like to play at. We'll try and get a few uh, clips this weekend from them just to, uh, to find out where they would most like to play. Um, and then uh, we'll talk some more about the following weekend and how things are, where we've got to, and we'll reflect back on the Canesham game, right? Yeah, perfect. And and just kind of a final thing from us, Simon. I think we um we know we you've got, got your plane jump in a few weeks. We did make a donation across the squad um this week. Um we do um we, we can't thank you enough, kind of they do like love the support that you give us and and uh, and everything you do to support the women's side and, and growing that. So I think one, yeah, there was messages going around about how we could um, support with a donation for that. Well, that, I, I saw that and I'm incredibly, um, I'm, yes, thank you. Absolutely, thank you. Uh, so if there's no podcast, right, after 26th of September, right, you know why, right? Because the, 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 <laughs> the jump wasn't so great. But but thank you for the money for Al's pals anyway. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah. we'll talk again next week. Thanks, Simon. <laughs>